Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And uh, of course, we've been covering all day today what's been going on in the run up to the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, of course, Utah is a uh, Olympic haven extraordinaire. Uh, we love our Olympics here in the state of Utah. So we have been following very closely the uh, latest developments there. And uh, pleased to be joined now by one of our uh, colleagues from ABC, Lionel Moise, joins us on the line with a little bit of an update of what's been happening. Obviously, a little outbreak uh, with some positive testing on the uh, gymnastics team and. Uh, Coco Goff, uh, give us a, a quick uh, update there, Lionel. Yeah, a lot has been going on, and the games uh, have not even started yet. This was a major concern uh, for many athletes around the world. What we know so far is the third athlete has tested positive. So you mentioned Coco Goff, uh, U.S. gymnast Kara Eaker. She was an 18-year-old alternate for Team USA. She tested positive at a training camp. She's now being quarantined in her hotel Her dad says she is not exhibiting any symptoms, but she was vaccinated. Also, a beach volleyball player from the Czech Republic also says he was vaccinated. His PCR test came out positive. And so this is a major concern. There's obviously a lot of testing going on in the Olympic Village, uh, but they are in close quarters. Uh, Even uh, the gymnast that I mentioned, Kara, she was staying in a room with other alternates. So immediately when something like this happens, it not only affects that athlete, Uh, but a number of other athletes and countries. Yeah, so many things that are uh, happening and so many moving parts as it relates to the Olympics. Uh, Obviously, uh, we we, uh, held them here, the Winter Olympics, much smaller scale uh, here in Salt Lake. But you think of the Olympic Village and the athlete housing uh, and the events themselves are all pretty close quarters. Uh, And then you start adding in coaches and trainers and judges and uh, all of those kinds of things. Uh, What is the sense from the uh, Olympic Committee in terms of where they are, again, just uh, a few days away. You know, it seems uh, like they are trying to keep things under control. They have a number of safety measures in place, including uh, testing people regularly. There has also been a concern that was raised about that, though, because there can be false positives. Uh, They themselves, uh, the Tokyo Olympic organizers, reported three cases, including a media worker and a game staffer as well. Those people were put in quarantine. Uh, Before these last two players tested positive, 58 games-related infections uh, were in their tally as of July 1st, and it's expected that will go up when they update it tomorrow. Uh, so this is a major concern. A lot of people in Tokyo uh, and across Japan uh, were signing petitions and, and protesting against the games being held because Tokyo uh, itself is dealing with an outbreak, and only 21.6% of the population in Japan out of 126 million people, officials say, are, are fully vaccinated. And so, you know, uh, it's kind of hard. They want to keep this going on. There's no fans, no spectators allowed, uh, not even in the, in the opening ceremony, which, you know, is, is a major thing that brings everyone together. Uh, but they're hoping that they will be able to proceed with the games uh, as planned, even with these positive results. Now, the issue is 
if one player tests positive, for example, uh, the beach volleyball player, he was supposed to be playing against another country with his partner. So that immediately eliminates the game for both countries. You know, then it's a matter of do they reschedule it or do they cancel it altogether? These athletes have been training their entire lives for this moment. They may not get this moment again. Uh, So there's a lot on the line here, but obviously safety is a top priority. Yeah, and uh, you you mentioned this idea of no fans in the stands. Uh, uh, Lionel, I want to play for you uh, just a a quick uh, clip from an interview I did with Gabby Douglas, of course, a multi-gold medalist uh, from uh, 2012 and 2016. She talked about uh, what it might be like uh, to to function and to perform in an empty stadium as a gymnast? I mean, honestly, as gymnasts, we are trained to adapt, but I do think it's going to be very different because, I, for me, I love performing in front of the crowd. I love interacting and, you know, engaging with them. So without having them there, very different atmosphere because, you know, the fans, they hype up things. They're your supporters. So obviously it will be different without fans in the stands. We've seen that in uh, in competitions here in the U.S. and other places around the world. Uh, as you look at it from uh, from your perspective, Lionel, what do you see in terms of uh, these athletes in terms of being able to stay mentally sharp and mentally focused amidst all of the uh, uncertainties that are going on around them? It really is a lot. And so, you know, not to bring myself into this, but my brother is a track athlete. He runs for Team Haiti, and he was actually – you know, trying to get to the Olympics. He didn't get that, that final time that he needed, but he uh, feeds off of, of the crowd. And we often, you know, we're, we're adults. I still go to his track meets. Uh, so there's someone there yelling and screaming because it makes a difference. You know, think of when you're performing. If you're a musician, you're doing a concert and no one's screaming and clapping or singing along with you. It's, it's hard to keep that same energy, not to mention they are concerned about their safety themselves. And sure. so, just as we are masking up and and washing our hands, they know that if anything goes wrong and they test positive, uh, this could eliminate a once in a lifetime opportunity for them. So there's added stress and pressure uh, outside of just being able to focus on training and getting in the zone for their craft, uh, which is going to make it a little bit more difficult for them. Yeah, that that is such a challenge. We've been talking uh, earlier in the day here on KSL News Radio. I, uh, I interviewed Coach Mark Pope uh, from BYU Basketball, who had a similar thing last year in terms of his team that would would have been the first in over a decade to go to March Madness in the NCAA tournament, and of course that was canceled in 2020. Uh, and when I asked him about how that uh, how he delivered that news and what the focus of the team was, uh, he went to something really interesting, and I'd love your perspective on this, Lionel. Uh, he said that on their team, the focus is always that the game only asks one question, and that is how are you going to respond to whatever just happened? So the referee makes a few bad calls. How do you respond? You miss three shots in a row. How do you respond? Uh, you win big. How do you respond? Lose big. How do you respond? Uh, And I think for a lot of these athletes, especially gold medal athletes, they've developed that ability uh, to to be in the moment and to be able to respond. I think there's a lesson there uh, for Japan. I think there's a lesson for uh, all of us around the world as fans. Uh, Obviously, you're close to that kind of high-level competition. Uh, How do you think we should be responding? Should we just be mourning that it's going to be different or very unpredictable? Or, or can we embrace this as a different kind of Olympics, but maybe better? I, I think we need to embrace it. Uh, this is the new normal. And again, 
uh, these changes and these restrictions are to keep people alive. And so while we're enjoying the fun of the sports and the games, we have to remember that people are still dying from this virus, uh, but we can't give up on our athletes. You know, they have worked hard. They're representing us. Whatever country you're cheering from, wherever you're from, you know, this is the elite. Uh, this is their one chance, you know, uh, to, to lead their market, especially gymnasts who often age out of their craft. Yeah. And so uh, those tweets that we're giving, that encouragement that we're giving, you know, these athletes are seeing it uh, and it makes a difference for them. And we should be equally as excited uh, and using this as a moment to bring the world together, even if we're having to do it from our homes. The pandemic certainly has taught us uh, that we are able to still come together, even if we have to do it from a safe distance. And I think that is an important thing. This is still a world moment. It is an opportunity to come together in the spirit of competition and friendship. Uh, Lionel Moise uh, from ABC, thanks for your perspective and your reporting today. Thank you. So, again, I nobody loves the Olympics more than I do. Nobody will watch more of the Olympics than I do. Uh, and we need to embrace this uh, as a new now. Uh, I'll, I'll challenge the new normal because it's not a new normal. It's a new now. It's it's present. And every athlete that wins a gold medal in these games is going to win it because of their ability to be present to the moment, to not worry about what just happened or who had to go home or who didn't get to compete or what's going to happen tomorrow or what the uncertainty of whether or not uh, their teammate will be able to play or that this event might be postponed or canceled. Uh, It's that ability to be present, to be still, to be in the moment. Uh, And there are tremendous lessons for all of us. Uh, And I love what Lionel Moise said there, that we still need to engage the same way as best we can. So send out those positive tweets. Uh, Put something on your social media feed that's positive for all the athletes over there. Let's, Let's have an Olympic moment, a new kind of Olympic moment. And I think it might just bring us together and show us that there's an even better way for all of us to have Olympic moments, whether it's with the athletes in these games or whether it's in our own communities. Uh, Much, much more to come as the Olympics get close in Tokyo. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come when we come back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.